Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Becky Tubbs Pornchai. Well, brother, it's uh, good to be back. We had a really good episode last week with Dustin Binge, uh, which kind of put a break in in between our Ten Commandments series, but it really was a good episode. Yeah, and and uh, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to that episode, stop this one, go back to that one and listen to that one. Um, I immediately heard uh, some positive feedback, including people within my own church that just uh, had that felt like they wanted to text me right away and tell me how much they really appreciated that. And anytime you can listen to J- Dustin Benj, um, it just his rich theology combined with just how simply he puts it and uh, and and the passion that he communicates with it's 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 worth listening to. Yeah, Dustin Binge, um, if you're not familiar with him and you're on social media, he's one of the guys that genuinely worth following and you can be assured that what you're going to get is, you know, solid biblical encouragement. Um, And uh, yeah, he loves the Lord and he loves God's people and he wants to see people walk a faithful Christian life. And so uh, I think we both commend him to everyone listening. Yeah. Well, so we're going to pick back up today with uh, our Ten Commandments series, and uh, last uh, the last episode we did was on murder. So we're back in Exodus 20, of course, and then we come to verse 14, which says, you shall not commit adultery. Um, th- this is a very interesting one, and I, I think I say it's interesting thinking of the culture in which we live today. Um, it, there was a time, I think, where this was just a given in general society, certainly in Western society, right? You you, you don't mess with uh, another man's wife. You don't mess with another husband. Uh, yeah, the other way around. Um, it, it, and but we don't live in that world anymore, right? Um, we see this being violated uh, amongst our politicians and you know r- ruling governors and things like that. But I think our culture has also become so perverted and sexualized. Um, that this is now one of those commandments that we need to be very much on guard against. And we should never have the attitude that I will never be tempted in this way, right? That, that's always a dangerous kind of attitude. On, on the surface, what are your thoughts when we come to this particular commandment? Yeah, the, the, um, the, the entire law is really kind of summarized by these opening Ten Commandments. And uh, they really cover the types of sins that people are most often tempted to. So, in a sense, it it rages around us. And in another sense, it, it's been there from the beginning. And, and this is really an assault on God's creation and his design for man and woman, right? I mean, going back to Genesis 2, when um, God created Eve, uh, he said at the end of chapter 2 that uh, man and woman are to come together and become one flesh. And Jesus would add to that what, what God has put together, let no man separate. So, to commit adultery is is an assault on that design um, that man and woman are one flesh together and in its uh, in its core definition if you will the, the 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 core definition here is that you shall not lay with someone who's already married to someone else um, but I, I think as we'll talk a little bit uh, later this ends up uh, something that, this is really something that you can broaden out uh, when you really think about sexual immorality and and, and just uh, fornication and, and those kinds of things that is so prevalent in our culture and, and I think we we see we see this in so many forms today um, raging around us just the um, you, you know, a lot of people are are souring on the idea of marriage um, divorce is just seen as a natural way of life um, and I just saw headlines just recently of some major uh, pop singer um, who who is who is accused of um, sleeping with uh, someone who uh, as a as a model for one of these uh, sites uh, where she exposes herself. So, so yeah, it is all around us, and and it's it's so prevalent that uh, to some it may just seem like the norm. Yeah, yeah, and I think if you go back in in into the Old Testament and you see how often God. Um, mentions the fact that Israel has played the harlot. Um, You you really do see God's burning anger and the importance of being faithful, right? And and of course, we have the image of uh, the church being the bride of Christ, 
um, all throughout uh, scripture. Yeah. And so, it, you know, time and time again, we, we see this reference to this, this type of commandment in how Israel relates to God, right? They're going after other gods. And he talks about how in doing that, they've they've played the harlot right um and so it it really is a significant thing but i think in our own day and age now whereas maybe 50 60 years ago um we could have just quoted this commandment and and the general public christian non-christian would have been like absolutely right yeah um and this is one of those things god's written the law in our hearts and you no matter where you go um you, you will find people from every different people group who if you were to question and drill down and ask is it okay if another man uh takes your wife or ask a woman is it okay if another woman takes your husband you know across the board the answer is going to be absolutely unequivocally not right it's not acceptable so we know uh inherently that this is something that's wrong both Christian and unchristian. Um, and, and so, again, this is one of the ones where, like the previous one, thou shall not murder. I think a lot of believers sort of um, get caught off guard, maybe if I can say it that way, in that they just see the initial physical act and they think, okay, I'm good, right? I am no. n- not mm-hmm. committing adultery. Uh, I don't even think about that. I'm not worried about that one. Uh, we're good to go. Let's go to the next one. Um but there's a lot more involved in committing adultery than just the physical act. And we understand that we're talking about our spirituality and how these things play out in that realm as well. Um, and of course, by the time you get to the New Testament, uh, Jesus, like he does with some of the other commandments, sort of no. um, adds to this or rather mm-hmm. explains it in, in a little different way, right? He says uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, verse 27 yes, verse 27 <clears throat> yeah he says you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart and so this is where we get to every human being right every man especially yeah. men are often far more tempted in this area uh, I think we see an increase of this in in women because of just the perverted nature of our society. Um, but certainly, th- this is a danger for men, right? Um, and and we'll kind of talk about maybe some practical ways to guard against this as we go along. But what, what, when we get to Jesus making this statement, what are some of the things that you think when we hear Jesus kind of saying, "Well, actually, there's another dynamic to yeah. adultery. There's differences, but." <laughs> Right. Yeah, and it's it's exactly this statement where um where I see Jesus uh, taking the principle of of adultery, you know, and we first look at it as laying down with someone who's married, but really he expands the principle here to looking at any woman with lust. Um because you may you may be looking at a woman with lust without any regard for who she may belong to, right? That she may be married or or not married at all. And so this is this is the commandment that that should um, just nail most people, especially most men, as you mentioned, um, because th- this is a very common thing with men um, that uh, that they they are trained in many ways in this society to kind of look at women in a certain way. You know, there's you know, there's um, there's there's all kinds of like swimsuit edition uh, magazines and stuff like that and and posters that uh, people will put up and certain celebrities that that really present themselves as objects of that kind of desire. And, and so the society around us and, and just the visual nature of everything really encourages that. And a lot of the social media sites are are just rife with this. Right. I mean, if you yeah. if you sign up to cer- certain social media platforms and you follow certain people, you're going to get a whole lot of this. And, and there are now sites like um, OnlyFans, which makes a whole lot of money just off off men just paying women to to do to do unspeakable things um, on the camera. So this is this is all around us, and it's encouraged. Um, it's encouraged all around us, but it absolutely tears apart relationships. Um, it's uh, it's something that certainly does not uh, create a good foundation for marriage. And uh, and and when we talk about you know the internet and all the temptations that are there, we got to think of this in terms of our children too. You know, I think it was Tim Challies who once said that you know if you're giving a tablet device or a smartphone device to your children as gifts, you know, if you're not doing anything to lock that system down or to lock that device down or control it, you're basically giving them porn devices, 
um, because yeah. that that in essence is what it turns to for for a lot of these a uh, lot of these kids. So it, it is all around us. We are an oversexed society. And and I think we are the, the perversion that we're seeing has has spiraled out of control and it's deviating to a point where we see Romans one playing out and you know we we have the multiple genders and and the being being sexually uh, experimental being encouraged in the schools and the whole abortion debate we've talked about this before but the whole abortion debate which is murder of the fetus in the womb um, that is really about adultery because abortion is primarily an issue for single women not for married couples yeah yeah absolutely and i think so we get here and and you you know we have to approach the the bible and ask what does it mean what does it say what does it mean what's the context and then from there ask the questions of how how then do we apply this in our own time and i i think this is one of those extremely dangerous areas because of our culture in fact i've uh there, there was a a little clip of paul washer talking about sexual sin recently that i came across and um uh, I, I listened to it, it as just like a 30 second little q a thing of him answering the question uh talking about sexual sin and he said you have to be extraordinarily careful with sexual sin it's deadly 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 and it will kill you um and and that was his comment and then he kind of went on to elaborate that and i think we need to view it in in that way uh, we need to view it as deadly as it truly is and and i think a lot of times where like physical adultery um has oftentimes different consequences than secret um lust right um you know when someone's looking at pornography and they can hide those things or they think they can hide those things and maybe you can for a lifetime but that doesn't mean it is not killing you spiritually it it doesn't mean that it's not destroying things in your life just because it's not quite the same as if you got caught in the physical act of of doing it um and you're right everything in our society is training this um i mean just look at the lgbtq movement um and i only bring that up because that is an entire movement based on nothing else than sexual perversion the desire to be sexually perverted that is 100 percent what that movement is about um and they're you know in a lot of ways being such a small group of people running the country dictating the narrative um in in a lot of ways and here's the interesting thing they're not dictating the narrative because they're powerful because they have money because they have influence they're dictating the narrative because that's what our general society secretly wants yeah right um and it would be foolish for christians to believe that we are not affected by our society i I posted something uh I guess a day or two ago on Twitter that just simply asked the question, in what ways are you being trained uh, in in worldly ways in our society? Because we all are. And we don't oftentimes step back to kind of think of that. I mean, how often have you heard of Christians watching television shows that were, I mean, according to reviews, basically pornographic and watching them as though they're no big deal? Mm-hmm. And that's becoming more and more common. Well, if you're doing that, you you can't tell me if you're if you're a guy. We'll just talk to guys here for a second. If you're a guy and you're watching a show like that, you are a liar if you tell me you did not lust watching something like that. Um, it, it is just impossible in my view. You might have a different opinion. I don't know. We hadn't actually pre-talked about this, huh. but it, but here's the reality. Um, we we know this because God has designed there to be a right physical attraction to the beauty of a woman, and that is meant to be um, within the context of marriage. Right? We're supposed to be attracted to our wives. Um, no. When you take that good thing that God has created and you take it outside of the marriage, the thing itself doesn't disappear. Now, it, it's just being given to an inappropriate situation. And so, when Christians are watching filth on TV, and that's really what it is for entertainment, um, you're breaking this commandment. And I think what concerns me is we don't even think about that much anymore because we're so inundated with the it's okay, it's just entertainment uh, from society. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and even in evangelical America, I mean, we've seen so many pastors, unfortunately, 
get disqualified, right? Because they've um, they've broken this commandment, they've slept with others. And um, there's something interesting that happens with their theology when they try to come back or, or when they try to seek uh, restoration to the pulpit. Um, I, I am of the belief, and I know you are too, that um, look, if you're if you're caught in sexual immorality, you're disqualified uh, from from leadership. You're disqualified from the pastorate. Now, that doesn't mean you you can't be a part of the church. You can't uh, be you can't repent and be restored to the church. But uh, you're you're forever disqualified from the pastorate. And and what's interesting is yeah. that when I see a lot of these folks that um, that go through that and then they try to come back and they try to justify it, they they end up starting to take a more almost a hyper grace view um, when it comes to sins. That uh, you know that this is this is something that we have to remember that God uh, gives us His grace and and they emphasize the grace part and and uh, they they stop emphasizing the obedience and and it's typically driven off of uh, the adultery that they committed in their own life and and you brought up something good and interesting the Old Testament in the Old Testament God was the husband of Israel in the New Testament the the, the church is the wife of Jesus Christ and in the Old Testament Israel whenever Israel plays the harlot. It is directly connected to idolatry. You play the harlot, you're 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 going after idols. And and one of the reasons why those two are so tightly connected is because once we start worshiping false gods, we start to find the justification to behave the way we want to behave um, sexually. Um, doing whatever it is we want, just like the sacrifice of children to Molech. Uh, you sacrifice children to Molech because it helps you feel good and it gives you justification for um, basically sexual activity without having to live with the consequences. Um, so, yeah, this is this is all around us. We we have to guard our eyes. We have to guard our heart, and and we have to be sure that um, you know we're we're not looking at things that are going to tempt us that way we have to be real about the effect that those things have upon us um, we got to repent and and uh, keep our eyes pure because even if we're looking at it and we're trying to fool ourselves into thinking it's not having an effect um that the mind is you know they've done studies on the brain and and the effect that that these kinds of materials have on the brain and there's some weird chemical effect that it has on the brain that uh, that is very similar to kind of like drug addiction right and so we we have to be vigilant. We have to be very watchful for this, um, because when you think about the core issue with Israel in the Old Testament, going after idols, I mean, it, it was it was essentially, as you mentioned, it was acting the harlot. And uh, the New Testament, when we when we start to go after our own flesh, we're essentially doing the same thing in the New Testament, and we are the bride of Christ. And in this section, as um, Jesus Christ is talking about um, adultery, and, and elsewhere he talks about how you know man and woman come together as one flesh, what God has put together, let no man separate. I mean, he is really emphasizing that important of that one flesh relationship and how no one should be taking that apart. And in this in this section, by the way, we've read through Matthew 5 and we talked about um, verse 27 and 28. But uh, verses 29 and 30, he talks about, hey, if your right eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it uh, from you. But then he goes on to talk about the certificate of divorce. And at first, that may seem like he's switching topics, but he's not. Um, because people will justify divorce because they basically want to sleep with someone else. And Jesus is saying, no, that's you're, you're essentially doing the same thing. You're, you're committing adultery. And not only that, but now you're causing your spouse, whom, you, whom you're divorcing, to commit adultery as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting um, when you get into 29 and 30. In fact, let me just read that. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into the hell into hell. I mean, he basically says the exact same thing twice. Right. And this is not a literal command. Right. We, we you know, we understand yeah. that yeah. he's making a yeah. point here. Um, and, and the point that really he's making is that we hate sin so much that right. we're willing to get rid of whatever it is that's causing us to stumble. Right. Yeah. And and I think um, I, I mean, that's just, you know, last week uh, we're preaching through the book of Ephesians. Um, as you know, we are in chapter four and uh, on the command that talks about being angry, but not sinning. And I think. Uh, just like I said this past Sunday, one of the greatest problems in the church today is that we no longer hate sin. Um, and, and I think that's largely true if we were just talking about broad evangel evangelicalism in the Western church, right, in the Western world. We just don't really hate sin anymore. Um, and because we don't have that 
righteous indignation towards sin, we toe the line uh, far more easily um, than you ever would if you feared God and hated sin. And this is one of those areas where, you know, we almost just tempt ourselves often enough. And there are a lot of ways that we do that. One is watching shows uh, that we shouldn't be watching. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's the reality. If And I think if we view this from God's perspective and and set our emotions aside, because oftentimes, you know, we make so many decisions emotionally and and not factually, um, and and I think it's the height of pride and arrogance as a man to say I'm not going to be tempted in this way. Uh, I think it's also supreme ignorance in how God has created men. Um, to admire and appreciate their wives because yeah. this is why we have those attractions. Right. They're good attractions, but and you can't get rid of them because they serve a very um, they they serve a God purpose in our yeah. lives, right? right? It's so that husbands and wife ad- adore and are attracted and and love one another and and all those kind of things. I mean, just go read the Song of Solomon. Um, it's a fantastic book that gives such a beautiful picture of how husbands uh, ought to you know, view their wives and vice versa. But the moment you remo- remove it outside of its proper context, it it becomes very foul and evil, right? And this is just Satan's pattern. Satan will use everything that's meant to be good and holy, and if he can twist it and distort it, uh, then he'll do that. And this is one of those areas. And so, it, you know, if guys are watching a movie and they know that there are scenes in there and they think to themselves, well, when it gets to that scene, wherever it is, I'll just skip it and it won't be a problem. But here's here, but here is the problem. Once you've seen the first part of that image, you don't need to see the rest of it because your mind fills in the gaps, um, and and you can't you you'll never just lose that image. And so, what we ought to do, and the response that we ought to have and desire is when we know that a TV show or a movie or a book or whatever is filled with this stuff that we just don't even want to go near it because mm-hmm. we don't want to put ourselves near the temptation. Look, an hour and a half of entertainment is not worth, right? Um, destroying your marriage, destroying your spiritual health. I mean, ultimately you sin against God first and foremost and an hour and a half of entertainment. No, what entertainment is worth that? Right. Right. You know, yeah, and going back to, we ought to ask. you know, just, <clears throat> yeah, just tying into that. I mean, that verse 29, verse 30 again, you know, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throttle from you, it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it from you, it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than to throw the whole body into hell. And as you mentioned, this is not literal. And the reason why we would say this is not literal, because because quite honestly, it's not it's not your right eye and your right hand that's causing you to stumble. It's your heart, right? Yeah. right? The problem is the heart. And uh, and and for those who will t- who take this literally, and we've had a few people that have um, basically quoted this passage and say this is the way men are supposed to handle it. Well, you're not going to find you're not going to find evidence of that with any of the biblical churches. Not any of the letters written to um, written to the churches. The the issue is the heart. It is always the heart. That's Mark chapter seven. That out of the mouth uh, comes the things of the heart, and and our desires are driven by the heart. So we have to address the heart. We have to now that the right eye, the right hand, those kinds of things are really expressions of the heart, or they help mm-hmm. facilitate um, desires that go into the heart that shouldn't be there. Um, but yeah, we must be vigilant and recognize. Just as I'm looking at these two verses, the the real issue is the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's talk about kind of the. the it, it makes sense here. You know, we basically just said, look, if you. It, well, Jesus said, right? Um, if you look at a woman with lust, if that's ever happened once in your life, you've committed adultery, right? Um, so we've made that statement, and we know that there are places in Scripture that um, give room for divorce in the cases of adultery. So yeah. maybe this is a good place just to kind of talk briefly about what is the the difference? Is there a difference between the physical act of adultery and if we want to maybe couch this in as as a spiritual act? I mean, they both are spiritual, but um, an act of adultery that is in the heart and not that doesn't get played out physically. Is there a difference between those two things in terms of consequences and how we would counsel people maybe who are dealing with those issues? Yeah, well, this is similar to our discussion on murder, right? I mean, murder starts with hatred in the heart and it gets realized through physical acts. And and we know from the Old Testament law, 
um, the that the real penalty for murder is if you actually murder someone. It's not just getting angry at someone. Right. Um, Jesus' point here is that the that the desire is starts off the same, and so it's it's similar with adultery. Um, that the desire starts in the heart. Um, the one who actually commits it physically is the one that has allowed that to go unchecked. Right. Uh, has hasn't repented of it, hasn't turned from it, but allowed it to to rule him and consume him. So for if I was to counsel someone, for instance, and we're talking about a married couple, um, someone who has committed adultery in the heart, I would not say that's grounds for a biblical divorce. I agree. Um, he has not actually slept with another person, um, but that is something that he needs to repent of. Now, if it is actual, actually physically laying with someone else, and I think if you look at all the examples where Jesus mentions that, it's pretty clear that it is a, a physical act. Yeah. Um, then at that point, uh, you have the grounds for a biblical divorce, at least on the side of the partner who um, who did not cheat but was cheated on. Right. Yeah, and it, you know, for for me, even in those cases, if reconciliation is possible, that's God's preference. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and and so we recognize that. But yeah, that's a good point to make, and that we need to make because now it is becoming quite popular uh, amongst some pastors um, to even counsel people that it's okay to get divorced because there's an issue with pornography. And I just yeah. don't see where the scripture supports that. Is it a sin? Absolutely. Is it heinous? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is it destructive mm-hmm. and evil? Yes, all of those things are true, um, but it doesn't fit under what we understand to to be uh, an appropriate reason. Well, it's not even really appropriate, but we're told that the only reason we're allowed that is because of the hardness yeah. of the hearts of men, right? And so, yeah. God's ultimate desire always is for restitution um, and, and reconciliation. So, but but that needs to be said here. So, let's just kind of pull back a little bit and talk about um, what are some, because I do think this is an area where we're constantly um, being trained to disregard hypersexualization, right? Every TV show, advertisements. Um, in, in fact, you know, this morning, I was listening to Pandora. Um, I, I was listening to a famous French horn player. I, I enjoy classical music. And there was actually a, an audio ad that was sexual in nature. And this ad came on for like 15 seconds or whatever. Um, and I just thought, what in the world? Why on earth? And, and so it's not even just visual stuff, even in audio advertisements. We yeah. we see this stuff all over. So, what are some practical ways that I guess first we can train ourselves to recognize um, what we're seeing or hearing may not be a good godly thing for us to be seeing or hearing? Yeah, you know that's uh, you you had mentioned just putting away the TV. I know a lot of people that uh, no longer have cable; they don't watch television. And before they go see a movie, they check the reviews um, to find out what's in it, if there's anything that's that's inappropriate. Uh, you know, so those are good steps. Uh, do your homework ahead of time uh, rather than just uh, watch it indiscriminately. And especially if there's a show that has a reputation, you know, like when Game of Thrones was on, I'm, I'm thankful that I can say I never watched one second of Game of Thrones. Uh, but when Game of Thrones was on, that became a very popular show, and especially for Christians. Uh, unfortunately, for Christians that I saw on on Twitter and on the Internet, and and that's the kind of show that just based upon some of the descriptions I've heard, um, you really shouldn't be watching that at all. Um, so <clears throat> so do your homework. Uh, if you have to just uh, let go of that uh, cable subscription or do away with TV altogether, then do it. Um, you know, there are certain things that you can watch. Like my wife likes to watch police dramas. Um, those tend to be um, t- tend to be pretty tame. Um, you know, you watch sports, but even sports, right? I mean, you you can watch the Super Bowl and, you know, then when the halftime show comes up, just shut it off, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Set your timer to 20 minutes. I think uh, normally it's 15 minutes, but I think it's 20 minutes for the Super Bowl halftime. Set your timer to 20 minutes and then turn it back on after 20 minutes. Um, so those are... Those are things that um, that you can do just just to be vigilant and uh, and then you know if you are in areas where you know there's a lot of um, imagery, um, try to find other areas to be in. Don't walk through don't don't walk through those areas. You know there are places where um, people will dress in a certain way that's meant to tempt the eyes. You know stay away from from those areas as well. So it, it takes it takes some thought and and some planning with regards to the kinds of movies, the kinds of shows that you're going to allow yourself to to watch and and how you are going to. Um, basically strategize um, around keeping your eyes from seeing things that you really don't want to be seeing. 
Yeah, and, and that, that's very good practical advice. And I think we need that today. Um, and, and I would I would add a few things to that. I would say, look, if um, you, you have no hope and no chance of recognizing those things, if you, you have no fear of God, um, and and how do you develop a fear of God? Well, first and foremost. Uh, there are appropriate times in our lives where, you know, it's good to check ourselves and make sure we're in the faith, right? Um, outside of those things, um, reading your Bible regularly. I, I mean, we need the fear of God here uh, because it's not as though we can even do this in our own strength, right? We're just as dependent right. yeah. on Christ now for uh, the pursuit of holy living as we were on Christ needing to save us before we became Christian, right? We're just as dependent on the Holy yeah. Spirit now, yeah. but we need a fear of God. Um, and a fear of God always produces a hatred of <laughs> sin. And you only get that if you're in the word regularly, right? Mm -hmm. If you're committed to a faithful, a Bible preaching, believing church, and you're involved and you're committed. So you're regularly filling your thing yourself with the things of God. I mean, the way we recognize evil is that we know what's holy, right? And then when we see something, we instantly know that whatever this is, it is not good and it is not of God. And I need to avoid that thing like the plague. Mm -hmm. um, developing a prayer life, right? If, if you're in the habit of never praying, then you're really in the habit of never communing with God. Um, and, and your faith would be weakened. And, and uh, you know, not putting a time limit on all of these things, but wherever you are in your walk, just start doing a little more, right? If, you're, if you spend 10 minutes in the Word every day, you know, start spending 15 minutes in the Word every day. If you're not accustomed to reading the Bible at all outside of Sunday, which, by the way, statistically speaking, is the vast majority. That is the vast, vast majority, yep. Uh, the, the last time I looked at the stats, it was less than 10% of professing Christians who spend time in the Word on their own accord during the week, less than 10%. And, 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 it, and that's not to bring condemnation upon you if you are a, a professing believer, but it is to say it's not enough. Yeah. If you're concerned with your spiritual life, and so if you're not accustomed to reading the Bible at all, there are a, a billion different reading plans uh, that can help you, right? Pick one, follow it, um, just start developing the habit of getting in the Word and start the habit of prayer. And if you're not, a, if you're not accustomed to praying, you know, I encourage people just start praying at every mealtime. Just start there. Start somewhere. Yeah. Right? It isn't a legalistic, formulaic thing, um, but if you aren't doing those things, if you aren't committed to a, a local church, if you aren't reading the Bible, if you aren't praying, then you have there is nothing that should be able to convince you that you're going to be able to be faithful in this area if you aren't doing those things. And so that would be what I would add. And then, and then those practical things that you said are so very important. I mean, just take the TV out in the backyard and shoot that thing. Use it for target practice. Um, I, I mean, this is the point Jesus makes, right? Like we've become yeah. such an entertainment-driven culture that our society is beckoning us to love entertainment more than we love holiness. And and we just have to be honest. It's easy for all of us to get caught up in that, right? Whatever that form of thing is, and it, it can be all kinds of things. For some people, you, you need to just get off of Twitter, you know, yeah. for others, you just need to put some discipline around your social media use. Um, I don't know much about OnlyFans, except whatever it was meant to be, now it's turned into something disgusting and vile. And I mean, this is things that we've had to deal with in our own community, um, young ladies who get sucked into yeah. this kind of thing for various reasons. And let me tell you, the only thing it produces is death. Yeah. It, that's the only thing it produces. And it's the same. You, you mentioned being careful where, you know, especially where men go. Um, and I think we did a podcast and where we talked yeah. about that. Right. Um, and I, I mean, some of you guys, you just need to stop going to the beach during the height of season. Yeah. Um, and if you think that's legalistic, then y y you either misunderstand sin or hum right. human nature. Right. right? Um, and, and it's just the question is always, is this momentary thing worth the sin that I'm about to commit before the Lord. 
you know, and if you're married, especially, I, I mean, my goodness, you, there are times where we're in places where we can't avoid it and we just need to guard our eyes and, and things like that. I mean, look, if you live in Florida, you're going to be around, you know, women wearing things they should never wear outside of the house. It, you can't avoid that, but you most certainly can avoid putting yourself in the most prominent places right. uh, for the most part. And, and if you can't do that because you live right next to the beach, you know, then you're going to just have to be extra diligent. But the question has to be, is your love for God and, and your reverence and fear of God worth more than indulging your flesh? Because let's just be honest, that's what that is. And I think every guy has to fight that. And it doesn't make you a pervert because we have to fight that, right? Again, this is a normal, natural thing that God gave men so that they see their wives in a particular way um, and and enjoy them as uh, in in the marriage relationship but the world takes that and by the world we you know are talking about the influences of satan and wants to twist that and distort that and cause us to put those affections somewhere else so we we just have to realize that and know that um and we have to love our wives more than um thinking that i, I think for a lot of men this is an, a, an issue of pride Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I, I think we there are some sins that as Christian men, we would like to think we have the handle on that. We're not going to fall to that, that we're yeah. above that. Right. Um, and, and I think that's a dangerous place to be. And I think this is one of the areas where we've just got to say, you know what? God has created us to be attracted visually. We're never going to get rid of that. Therefore, um, we need to be extremely cautious uh, when we're in places where we know the world would want to tempt us in those areas. Yeah, th- this struggle is very common, especially w- uh, including the church uh, amongst men, but including within the church where uh, where men are more likely to be afraid of talking about these things. Um, accountability can be really helpful. Um, having a partner that uh, will will pray with you. Um, but, you know, overall, you mentioned a word um, that the word discipline, um, discipline is hard. And when, what we do when we start to watch too much television and get sucked into too much entertainment, we start becoming chasers of pleasure where we're just chasing pleasure all the time rather than disciplining ourselves to do what we need to do, well, what's important to do. And, you know, this is on the one hand, we can we, we we can run the we can make the error of getting into legalism where we're just saying, well, do this, do that, don't do this, don't don't do that. That's not what life is about. It's about cultivating a love for God and being used by God for his purposes. We've been called to uh, to the Great Commission, uh, making disciples of, of all the nations. That's hard work. Um, that that's that requires disciplined work, you know, but if we love God and, and seek to glorify him, we're going to do whatever is possible to make sure that we are as effective as a vessel vessels as, as we can possibly be. Um, so first Corinthians chapter um, chapter nine, uh, verse 26 and 27 is the apostle Paul. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Um, so we, this is a discipline. We've got to discipline our bodies. We've got to discipline our eyes. We've got to discipline the things that uh, we pursue after. And the example I often give is like a world-class athlete, right? You, you get a world-class athlete, especially one who like competes in the Olympics and all that. You know, they everything they do is so that they can get a medal and an event that only happens once every four years. And, and yet, if you were to talk to one of them and talk about their schedule, it's a disciplined schedule every day. They are giving up things that most of us would not give up on. You know, they they really cut down on the junk food. They really discipline their sleep schedule. They they make sure they're they're out and and working out in various ways for so many hours every single day. And and that's just an example of of what it takes for them in order to be effective out um, out on the track when they go out and compete. For us out on the spiritual battlefield. Um, we need to be disciplined so that we can be more useful in the spiritual battlefield. Um, the more disciplined we are, the more we reflect uh, the the beauty of Christ. Now, let me just add this for for those that struggle, and there are many who struggle in this area. Um, Hebrews chapter four, verses fourteen through sixteen. Um, I, I counsel people with these verses uh, from time to time, and especially those who are going through difficult trials. But this applies to our temptations as well. You know, we we have a great high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as you mentioned, Nathaniel, we should be in prayer. And one of the reasons that we should be in prayer 
first for communion, but also in communion with God, we receive what we need from God. Verse 14 through 16 of Hebrews 4 reads this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And on one hand, uh, some people hear that and say, well, Jesus can't relate to us. I mean, it says he was tempted, but but it says he was without sin as well, so that he's not someone that we can go to. Well, if he did sin, then he couldn't be our great high priest. So we actually have the best of both worlds in Jesus Christ. Um, he, he is one who can sympathize because he does understand temptation. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane when he lifted up his prayers to God and said, not my will, your will be done. Um, and, and he grieved over that hour that came upon him. So so we know that he, he can be tempted. We know that he went through 40 years uh, in the wilderness, not 40 years, 40 days, and then was tempted by the tempter, right? And uh, he withstood that temptation just by by going to scripture. He didn't, re- he didn't rely upon his divine power um, to, to get him out of that situation. So Jesus Christ is one who can sympathize. Mm-hmm. He has been tempted in all ways. And not, that's not to say that Jesus was tempted with adultery or anything like that. But the things that he was tempted in, the intensity and the type of temptation for him is something that allows him to sympathize with any of our kinds of temptations. But verse 16 is the is the final part of this where it says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So during those times where we feel tempted, go to, go to God in prayer. Um, go to the Word. Um, sing some of your favorite hymns. Uh, do something that's going to get your mind off of where it shouldn't be and put it back on where it should be. Yeah, call a friend. Do whatever you need to. It, that ought to be encouraging to us that it says Jesus was tempted. I think if we understand the nature of temptation is helpful. Yeah. Um, it, it, it wasn't as though... Jesus was presented with something and there was no temptation, right? You know, if someone knocks on my door and they say, you know, hey, um, we need a ride to the abortion clinic. Can you help us? I am not in any way, shape or form going to be tempted to help that person. There will be no temptation. If someone walks, and I'm just throwing out another example, but if someone shows up on my doorstep uh, with a million dollars, and says, you know, can you just drop us off near the abortion clinic? I'd like to think I wouldn't be tempted, but I might. Yeah. Um, right. But the temptation is that that's sort of like that initial, I recognize there's something in my flesh that desires this. Mm-hmm. But then when you take that thought captive uh, unto the Lord and you flee from that, you've avoided sin. And yeah. and so the, the ways in which Jesus was tempted in whatever specific ways, it really doesn't make any difference. We, we don't know all the many ways that he may have been tempted. Um, but what we do know is that he resisted all of those temptations uh, to faithfulness. Yeah. And and so we do have a high priest who can relate in that way. Um, I think you made a good point when you talked about um, athletes who train. And, it, you know, it just it, sometimes asking questions it can really – help uh, deepen our understanding of those things and give us some encouragement. Well, what is it that makes an athlete willing to forego the pleasures of enjoying nice foods or company in certain uh, places? I mean, you know, they, they give up time with people. They give up, um, you know, things that a lot of us would enjoy so that they can train. Which in which is difficult, right? I mean, training the body is yeah. not a light um, exercise. Uh, it creates pain, physical mm-hmm. pain in the body. What makes it? What what inside them makes that worth doing? Well, it's because their goal is more important than everything else. Yeah. And so, for a Christian, I I think we should ask the question: Is Christ worth more to us? than everything else and i think as we grow in our relationship with the lord and that becomes um a more firm yes because i do think we grow in that right Mm -hmm. um we understand that progressive sanctification we grow in grace and holiness as we're faithful and obedient to scripture and the holy spirit um blesses that and uses that but that's the question we need to ask is you know is watching um is watching that television show worth more than faithfulness to christ 
uh, is going to the beach at the height of season where you know you're going to be tempted. Is that worth more to you than faithfulness to Christ? Um, like the athlete. And eventually, you know, w- little by little, as we're faithful, we start to see less pull towards those things. I think there'll always be those temptations, yeah. right? But we find that the Holy Spirit gives us what we need in greater measure as we're faithful uh, and as we flee to be able to flee a little easier next time and a little easier yeah. the next time. There'll still be temptation, right? But we find ourselves <clears throat> just not wanting to do that. I mean, here's a challenge for you. Um, if you're struggling uh, because you're watching all these television shows that are basically pornographic, give up the TV for six months give it up for six months i guarantee you you'll find yourself being pulled to that stuff less no it's amazing when you step back and you eliminate the temptation um and you you well i guess the caveat would be and you use that time to develop your 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 spiritual life get more involved in the church start reading the bible more listen to the audio bible whatever it is do it for six months and i guarantee you you'll see a difference um and a lot of things we just don't need right um we we don't need to do all the things that we do you know if you go to ephesians chapter four um at the beginning of chapter four paul says uh let's see here yeah at the very beginning verse one he says therefore i the prisoner of the lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called and so i think another thing is that we recognize that as believers we are supposed to walk differently um you, you go down to verse 17 and along the same lines paul continues and he says so this i say and affirm together with the lord that you walk no longer as the gentiles walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding um it, it talks about giving over to their lust we see this picture um and, and then a, a few verses later he gives the command of putting off the old self and putting on the new self now all of this is in the context yeah. of really the first chapter and and what's the first chapter the first chapter is the fact that it's god who's predestined you god who has adopted you god who has saved you and not of your own work so that no one can boast so everything you have you have um, given by God, you come down to the next chapter, and he just brings that out in the fact that we were dead, how dead we were. And so we come to these commands, and they're meant to be understood in the context of having to depend on Christ, even to be obedient to these things. But that has to be our prize. I mean, that has to be yeah. what we want more than everything else. And if it's not, then what we'll find is that we're far more worldly than we ought to be and and we'll find ourselves um disobedient to this commandment uh, any thoughts on that before because i want to kind of shift gears before we end and talk to ladies a little bit because we've been talking i think largely to the guys here yeah i just uh, ephesians 4 the put off put on principle that's in verses 22 to 24 um, as we fight sins and any kind of sins, but in particular, as we're talking about um, any of these sins of sexual immorality, um, the the way to conquer it is to make sure that we're not only just putting it off, but we're putting on righteousness, where we're putting on godliness. And the key is in verse 23, when it says that uh, you're to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that comes through the word. So, and this is a battle, folks. Um, Galatians chapter 5 talks about the war between the flesh and the spirit. Um, it is an ongoing battle. It is going to be hard. Um, but uh, thankfully, um, we, we can give thanks that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for all of our sins, um, knowing that we will not be perfect until that day that we are glorified. Um, but while we're here, we continue to battle and we do so for his glory. Yeah, amen. And and fine, I, I mean, confession um, it is such a powerful thing. And, and we're obviously we're going to talk about the Roman Catholic view, um, but confessing our sins one to another, find someone yeah. who, you know, an elder in your church or another mature believer who will not just brush it aside, who will take it seriously. But, yeah. you know, when you fall, there is nothing greater to kill that sin than confessing it and bringing it it out to light there there's a freedom that comes with that because it's no longer hidden and no longer in the dark um mm-hmm. and then you persevere and you move forward you know and we should find as we grow in grace and love for christ that 
you know, those things happen less and less. You know, Philippians um, 4 verses 8 and 9, I, I, I encourage people to memorize uh, this. It, it, it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, and so, before you go to that place, or you watch that thing, or you read that book, open up your Bible, go to Philippians 4, verse 8, read that, and ask the question, is this thing that, you know, does what I'm about to do promote this, or, or does it not? And if the answer is no, I don't really care what it is. Don't do it, Right. Don't do it. And and I think there is a certain level of just stop it that's needed. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're. Well, and that's the discipline part. Right. You know, um, yes, we depend on God. But if you're a believer, you already have that. If you're a believer, stop it. Right. Uh, Don't click on that website. Don't click on that Amazon Prime movie or whatever it is. Um, And if, if you're struggling with that, then that's struggling is good um but you have to make the conscious choice that you're going to be faithful and you're not going to do those things um let's talk about so we talked a lot about guys here are are women in danger of violating this command too or is this really just a guy only thing yeah i mean this is a danger on both sides i mean the over sexualization of our society has increased the um the the frequency in which women um, will look at pornographic material as well um, but I, I would say in general, what I have uh, observed just in the church, especially with marital difficulties and um, issues where um, adultery has been committed. And by the way, I do I do commend what you said earlier when you said even if adultery has been committed, it's better to work on that marriage and and, and to be successful in that marriage than to automatically just uh, take the take the way out and, and divorce. And I've I have counseled couples who, by the grace of God, have done exactly that. They avoided the divorce option. They continue to work on it and and. Uh, they're much better for it uh, even now. But I think for a lot of women, while men can be very easily um, visually stimulated and, and really um, view kind of the the sexual activity as really just physical pleasure, um, women often will um, take part in the emotional aspect of things. So they'll start to develop uh, relationships where they're just talking and they're chatting with someone. They're spending more time chatting online with someone. And, uh, and in that way, they start to develop an emotional attachment. Um, and it's, it's the kind of emotional attachment that really should be for the husband. Um, and so when women start to do that, and then they start to uh, perhaps even fantasize about life with that person, it is a form of emotional adultery. Um, because now you're imagining yourself with someone other than the husband that that you're with. So I do think that the danger is still there. It it comes in different forms. It comes in different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think women have to likewise be be careful as well. And and even <clears throat> when I think about uh, the kind of the um, that the smut that uh, w- women like to read, you know, the, those romance novels and stuff like that. Yeah. You know that that's that's the kind of. Um, of um of written pornography that that women are drawn to the 50 shades of gray stuff which i never uh, i know it was big I, I never read it don't know what's in it but i, I do know that uh, that that it was quite explicit in in its material and, and it was wildly popular with women so so th- those are ways that uh, women can be tempted that's a little bit different than men it tends to be a little bit more emotional less less purely physical but it still leads you down the same path where um, you're imagining yourself with someone other than your own husband. Yeah. And here's the principle. When Jesus makes that statement, he's taking this out of the physical realm. And 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 so that makes it a danger for both men and women. How how that operates in the heart is irrelevant in some uh, in in some ways. The, the point is that you're lusting after another person who is um well, uh, lusting after another person. Yeah. You don't even really have to be married to violate this command there mm-hmm. the purity is the issue here and and so if you're giving your thoughts and your attention um e- even if it's attention by way of your own imagination to another man um whether it's a character in w- one of these you know one of these novels or whatever um you're guilty of the same commandment of of violating the same commandment and and you're right we do often see more of the emotional side in women and so you need to guard yourselves ladies um 
you know, and there are lots of practical ways you can do that. If you find yourself wanting to be, I mean, one is I, I take the view that there should never be a close um, male friendship uh, that a woman has, especially if she marries. Um, I don't even think it's healthy if you're single. Uh, to have relationships like that unless they look like they're going to go into the courting and marriage stage, right? Um, and then you do that in healthy context to, to guard yourself. But, um, you know, married women, there is no good reason, nor is it ever appropriate in my view, um, for your quote-unquote best friend to be another guy. No. Just not appropriate. Mm-hmm. You're, it, it, I'm not saying that that's sinful uh, in and of itself, but it's extraordinarily unwise, and you're just opening the door wide open yeah. to violate this command, right? Um, and so, do whatever you need to do. Um, in in some in some regards, who who cares what anyone else thinks? You want to guard the sanctity of your marriage yeah. um, and your thoughts and your mind towards your husband, uh, because Satan will use those things in the moments where. You know, both people in a marriage are sinful people, and uh, when when your husband upsets you, whether rightly or not unrightly, that is, and and you have a male friend, that is when Satan often, and you've probably seen this, right, mm-hmm. in counseling sessions where it's the lady guilty of adultery. This is often how it starts. Yeah, right. There, there's a rocky uh, moment or you know place in the marriage where the husband's upset the wife, and he's mm-hmm. maybe he is sinful um, in in those moments. And she confides in her friend, and her friend just happens to be a guy. Mm-hmm. And boom, there you have the start of you know uh, emotional adultery, if we want to no. you use that phrase. So you need to be guarded as well. Um, movies, just like novels, but you're right. I think uh, novels I hear of ladies often uh, reading novels, or um, I see those novels end up on the bestseller list. Yeah. Uh, and you just know lots of Christian ladies are reading them. Burn that garbage. Um, I, I mean, really, like if it's so tempting, um, burn it, you know, tear it up, throw it away, whatever it is. But then I, I've also heard, you know, women from time to time say things like actually they struggled with visual temptation, too. Mm-hmm. I, and so I would say the same thing. If that's you, then don't spend lots of times out on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, don't go to the places where you know you're going to be tempted. And, and we know our temptations, right? We know, um, and oftentimes throughout our life, we have the same temptation. It, you know, we're, we're predisposed to particular sins. I, I think we see that just in our fallen human nature. It's not as though when you become a Christian, you're never tempted uh, by the same sin that you have been given to before you were a Christian. Yeah. Sometimes that's true, but that's not the norm, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know where you're going to be tempted. If you struggled uh, in this area before you came to Christ, you just need to know that this is probably going to be an area likely where Satan tempts you throughout your lifetime. And so, put up those guards and don't worry about what people think. Um, and in our day and age, it's one of those things where like I, I the Billy Graham rule, as we call it, which is not yeah. from Billy Graham, but um, popularized it, it. I realize the society thinks that you're a misogynist if you comply, um, yeah. adhere to that, but who cares? Right. Because one day you're going to stand before the living God in which every knee will bow, right? And you're going to give an account for everything you said, every thought you thought, um, every situation you placed yourself in. Um, that's what we should care about, right? Is, is our audience of one as it were. Um, and I think as time goes on and as our culture just spirals downward, specifically uh, dealing with sexuality in a perverse way, I I think it's going to become harder for Christians to make the stands like, you know what, if you're a married man, it's probably just not a good thing to be alone with another woman if you can help it. Right. You can't deal with all the nuances and the job situations and things like that, but you know what, if you can help it, don't do it. Um, And and especially in our day and age where – it, all it takes is just an accusation. We no longer live in a society where proof is required. I mean, especially if you're a guy, just being real, right? And that's all the enemy would love to do is just get an accusation that you have no answer for and destroy your witness, 
right? And, and if you haven't avoided those things, oftentimes the only defense you have is, I just didn't do that. But right. that's not a defense if you could have avoided it, right? Um, and I think that's the same for guys and girls. Um, yeah. So uh, ultimately, though, all of this comes back to how important is your relationship with Christ? You know, how important is, is your relationship with God? These are the very sins that crucified Christ for your sake and for my sake, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and God has given us everything we need. We can't do these things in our own strength. That is that just becomes moralism or legalism. Right. We can't earn God's favor in doing them. But you know what? We can do them because of God, because of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, we can overcome these temptations. We can overcome these things. And the Scripture tells us to flee. Right? Don't uh, don't play with it. Don't don't just set it aside where it's easy to get to. I mean, run from these things like the plague. And this is one of those areas where not only are we at risk of sinning against God himself, not only are we at risk of damaging our own human relationships, but you know what? We destroy the the image of marriage between Christ and his church. I, I mean, that's our earthly marriages is meant to be something of reflection of the the, the spiritual reality in heaven yeah. that Christ and, and the church is his bride. And so when we violate these things, what we're really doing is violating the image of Christ in this church. And that's a weighty and heavy thing that I think we don't probably think about as much as we ought to. Yeah, meditate upon the truths of God. Uh, we really want to seek to glorify God. And one of the things that has struck me as I've taught through the book of John was just how how obsessed Jesus Christ was with the glory of God the Father. And we need to be the same way. We need to be uh, obsessed with doing His will and, and glorifying Him, but, but really letting that be driven by a, a love that needs to be cultivated uh, with God. And so that's the whole put off, put on, focus on the things that are good, focus on the things that are godly, be wary of the things that can cause you to trip, um, be wary of anything that can cause you to, to stumble. And, and this is really the Christian walk. This is the spiritual war. This is where the war is happening. And, and, and recognize that when we talk about the schemes of Satan, um, Ephesians chapter six talks about the armor of God, that the schemes of Satan, Satan has many different methods and schemes meant to attack you where you're weakest. Yeah. Amen. Well, brother, we have uh, again talked about the, the law here and the, the good, um, the, the good parts of it, and the law is good, we're told, right? Yeah. But w- we also always want to balance that with the gospel. So why don't you share with us the gospel? Yeah, if you've been listening to this episode, th- this is a really difficult struggle from a lot of different directions, and especially in the culture that we're in. And you might look around and say, how in the world are we ever going to have victory against these things? Well, the, the good news is this. While we live in a cursed world, and, and what we have promised in this world is that we will continue to have a world that hates God, that hates His morality, hates His righteousness, um, we also know that God demonstrated His love and, and His mercy by sending His Son into the world. Sin has been in the world since the very beginning beginning when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, we inherited their sin nature. Um, And that sin nature leaves us guilty before God. Um, He is going to condemn everyone. And he's a perfectly righteous. He's a perfectly holy God. He must condemn everyone. Um, But when he sent his son into the world, he sent his son in order to die for the sins of those who would put their faith into him. So while Without a Christ, without a Messiah, this world is hopeless because we are sinners um, who are are predisposed who who are predisposed to sinning. Um, we have a Savior who has come to rescue us from that. And so, when He died on the cross, He died in order to pay the penalty for the sins that all of us have committed. Those who put our faith in Him, past, present, and future. When we're talking about all sins, we mean all sins. And the requirement for us, the response, the only proper response, is to recognize that there are no works that we can do to ever make ourselves worthy of God, to ever earn our way into heaven, to ever give ourselves salvation. But our sins make us worthy of eternal damnation. And there are very few sins that make that more clear than really the sin of adultery and sexual immorality. So the good news is that Jesus Christ died for those sins. Um, He promised to give us the Holy Spirit. Um, We receive a new nature, and we receive a new empowerment to do what we could not do before. But what it requires for each and every person who is living in sin, walking according to the ways of the world, following after the prince of the power of the air, is to repent. 
repent and put your faith into Jesus Christ. And by repenting and putting your faith into Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the only way to heaven, the only acceptable sacrifice, um, the only son of God um, who could provide, who could perform this work on our behalf, um, by putting your faith into him, you will have eternal life. Amen. Well, I hope this has been helpful uh, to you guys. If you would like to contact us, um, you can check out the show notes. Our contact details are there. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.